The Evolution of Policy Experimentation in China by Jessica Teets and Riza Hazmath. Section 1 Introduction Policy experimentation has had a profound impact, both positive and negative, on China since 1949. It had mostly a negative effect from the 1950s to 1970s, with ineffective Maoist policies that reorganized the economy at a macro level, such as the Great Leap Forward 1958 to 1962, and social policies ranging from education, health, and social welfare. In these early formative years of the PRC, the guerrilla combat structure adopted by the Communist Party of China during the Civil War from 1927 to 1949 was replicated in new governing institutions to create mechanisms for local level policy experimentation. As Halman and Perry argue, China's Soviet-inspired formal institutions are combined with distinctive governance methods shaped by the Chinese communists' own revolutionary and post-revolutionary past. Although Mao Zedong's policy style relied on continual experimentation, the permanent revolution, resulting in often destructive experiments, it also formed a foundation for an institutional policy process based on experimentation and learning in the contemporary era. As Halman points out, from 1978 to 1992, Deng Xiaoping repeatedly characterized reform and opening as a large-scale experiment, requiring vigorous experimenting in practice. After Mao Zedong's death in 1976, Deng Xiaoping continued to rely on experimentation as his preferred way to change policy. The process of experimentation was changed slightly to acknowledge regional variations and promoted concurrent experiments with multiple models. Thus, policy experimentations continued to be an important feature of Chinese governance in the contemporary era, from 1978 to the present day. Often with a more positive impact from macro-structural economic policy reforms, for example, special economic zones, to village and township level elections and targeted social policies. This pragmatic policy experimentation, often heralded as a China model of governance, can be credited for lifting nearly 850 million individuals out of extreme poverty since the early 1980s and improving the overall material well-being of the general citizenry. Subsequent administrations in the contemporary era continue to rely on policy experimentation including the Jiang Su 1992 to 2002 and Hu and Wen from 2002 to 2012 administrations. As Halman describes, this was conducted in a point-to-surface approach that involves a policy process that is initiated from individuals' experimental points and driven by local initiative with the formal or informal backing of higher-level policymakers. If judged to be conducive to current priorities by party and government leaders, model experiences extracted from the initial experiments are disseminated through extensive media coverage, high-profile conferences, intervisitation programs, and appeals for emulation to more and more regions. The tried and tested novel approaches emerging from this process 
are integrated into national policies after further revision. As this description of the process of experimental policymaking clarifies, local and central policymakers created local experiments and then used these to teach others about the benefits with the intention of changing national policy. A few observations are necessary to stress in setting the context. First, most policymakers who engage in experimentation in contemporary China are local officials, which largely differs from a liberal democratic context. Second, scholars credit policy experimentation in China with improving governance. Policy experimentation is theorized to add more information and dynamicism to an authoritarian system, creating a more responsive and adaptive government. Third, historically, policy experimentation has been extremely sensitive to changing political opportunity structures. Furthermore, evidence from single-party bureaucracies suggests that local officials will act as rational bureaucrats and not engage in uncertain and risky policy experimentation. Simply put, the act of experimenting is a gamble, since local Chinese officials usually have terms less than three years, which is often not long enough to show full results. In addition, policy experimentation that causes negative outcomes might cause an official to lose his position or not be promoted, not to mention the squandering of state resources in symbolic or face innovation. Given this context, this article traces the evolution of policy experimentation in China through the prism of understanding the varying motivations for policy experimentation. Prior to the Xi Jinping administration from 2013 to the present, scholars have seemingly reached a rough consensus about the motivations of policy experimentation. Namely, it occurred due to 1. individual career incentives for policymakers, 2. considerations for improving institutional good governance, and 3. symbolic factional politics. Despite the positive overall role of policy experimentation in the contemporary era, there has been a notable reduction in experimentation in the Qi era. Chen and Gobel find that innovation has declined dramatically under Xi Jinping and that the remaining policy experiments tend to focus more on social policy and less on political reforms. For example, after a high of over 100 reported cases in 2008, policy experiments hovered around 50 cases until 2013 when President Xi took power, and then the reported cases dropped to below 10. This is largely attributed to Xi's drive to re-centralize political power under the guise of top-level design and an ongoing anti-corruption campaign. This has effectively created disincentives to innovate at the local level. Nevertheless, we do find remaining pockets of policy experimentation in the present period, which we suggest is due to 1. ineffective institutional incentives, 2. the influence of peer networks, and 3. variations in the individual personalities of policymakers. Given that most scholars credit policy experimentation with China's successful economic reform and continued authoritarian resilience, 
the current disincentives to innovate at the local level are concerning. Although we do find remaining pockets of policy experimentation, it is unclear if this small-scale and often concealed policy experimentation is robust enough to assist in the further economic reforms or adaptive governance China needs to grow out of the middle-income trap or address significant socioeconomic inequality. From a theoretical perspective, our findings correspond to the recent research on the importance of using an evolutionary approach to examine the interactions between policy entrepreneurs, innovative personalities, and structural constraints to better understand the determinants of policy experimentation. The emerging importance of individual level factors means that changing structural incentives might encourage or discourage varying populations of policy entrepreneurs from pursuing policy change. Section 2. Explaining the Motivations for Policy Experimentation One of the big debates that emerged from studying policy experimentation in China since the 1950s was the question of why local officials embedded in authoritarian bureaucracy experimented with policy. As state agents operating in an iron cage, we would expect low-level bureaucrats to simply implement policies and not engage in policy experiments. Additionally, policy experimentation is risky and uncertain in any context, but in an authoritarian regime, local officials lack an, an electoral incentive to offset this risk to undertake experimentation. Nevertheless, in China, we see expansive policy experimentation, creating a puzzle for scholars. What factors explain the divergence between our theoretical predictions and empirical outcomes? The resulting explanations is the extent literature can be grouped into three buckets. Namely, the role of the individual career incentives, technocratic good governance reasons, and political considerations such as symbolic and factional politics. Individual Career Incentives Similarly to the electoral motivation in democracies, argues that the experimentation under hierarchy model motivates local officials to innovate because upper-level officials direct them to do this and then reward them with promotions. This explanation dominates the literature on policy experimentation in China. It holds even if local officials innovate of their own volition, but do so in order to signal to upper-level officials that they are supporting certain policy directions. Scholars argue that the cadre incentive system, composed of the target responsibility system and one-level-down supervision responsibility, creates these incentives even at lower levels. For example, Kennedy and Chen find that interviewed subnational officials, such as mayors and party secretaries, operate under the target responsibility system with a list of key duties that are counted towards promotion. In addition to targets like social stability, economic development, and urbanization, political innovation itself is counted as a promotion measure. Most of the scholarship relying on this motivation focuses on policy experiments directly sponsored by upper-level government officials or in direct response to the incentives embedded in the cadre evaluation system. However, some scholars also examine 
how local officials use policy experimentation as a signal to upper-level officials to strategically accelerate their promotions to avoid being caught in the age trap created by the interaction of the slow promotion process and the mandatory retirement age. Similarly, Ma finds that local officials pay attention to policy innovation from officials at the same stage of their career or in similar roles due to the promotion competition and thus the innovation has a cohort effect. Zhu and Zhang provide evidence of this motivation when they find that older officials are less likely to innovate, all other factors held constant. Once the promotion incentive is removed, they find less policy innovation. Despite the dominance of this explanation, scholars find contradictory evidence prompting revisions of this argument or differing explanations. For example, Haleman et al. finds that out of 53 cases of high technology zones, 39 cases evidence medium to very high functional deviation or variation from the intended programs and goals, causing them to update the framework to experimentation under the shadow of hierarchy. This evidence shows that even when experiments are directly mandated by higher-level governments, local officials might be using these opportunities to accomplish other goals. While experimentation might be motivated in part by career incentives, other motivations might also play a role in shaping the actual practice of innovation. Institutional Good Governance Policy experimentation appears to be motivated by a technocratic norm in policymaking in China that is, through pragmatic experimentation. The resilience of the Chinese system lies in its deep-seated one-size-does-not-fit-all pragmatism, and the adaptability of decision-makers is key to the China model. In this sense, policy experimentation is at the core of China's developmental experience, the crossing the river by feeling for stepping stones approach. Put differently, experimentation is a functional response to governance challenges, and one that has developed into a norm for local officials needing to solve problems. This explanation is a technocratic one, in that it relies on a norm of experimental policy that officials then use to solve local problems. For example, expanding direct and competitive elections in Swishan was viewed by the county party secretary as a solution to the difficult situation the local government faced, in which local residents refused to cooperate in any project launched by the township government. The party secretary was willing to bear the political risk of this experiment, which was later halted by the center in order to re-establish the social stability. In this example, incentives established at the center played a secondary role in the willingness of local officials to adopt new policy innovations. Instead, innovation is more strongly rooted in a response to governance problems and often persists even in the face of central sanctions. This corresponds to Mintrom and Norman's finding that policymakers create focused policies to tackle persistent problems in their communities. Despite examples like this, longitudinal research on how these experiments are sustained and evaluated to be used in other cases casts doubt on a purely technocratic explanation. 
For example, May and Liu find that the diffusion of the special economic zone experiments was too rapid to have allowed for any evaluation of the existing pilots. These experiments were not being evaluated for effectiveness and then used in similar cases, but rather spreading quickly and indiscriminately. Thus, while we find isolated cases of initial experimentation due to governance challenges, these cases do not seem to explain the diffusion or sustainability of these policy innovations. This contradictory evidence supports adding another potential explanation, that of purely political signaling motivations. Symbolic and factional politics. As explained above, the dominant experimentation under hierarchy approach examines how central policymakers encourage local officials to innovate so that they might change central policies using the results of experimental programs to overcome opposition from defenders of the old policies. In this way, experimentation is a political tool that minimizes the risks and the cost to central policymakers by placing the burden on local governments and providing welcome scapegoats in cases of failure. Following this line of reasoning, other scholars contend that local policy experimentation is driven by political factions. According to these researchers, central leaders can broaden political support by proving the effectiveness of their preferred policies. For example, Kai and Traisman argue that Deng Xinping used local experiments as opportunities to promote supporters and replace anti-reform or conservative officials. This was the case when Deng replaced conservative officials in Fujian with reform supporters to increase the pace of reform in the special economic zones in the late 1980s. As Zen argues, although policy experimentation has been widely considered a magic bullet of policy improvement and the key to China's economic prosperity, experimentation does not always seek policy efficiency as the technocratic explanation contends but rather can be manipulated as a political symbol without actually affecting practices. In the case of Wenzhou's financial reform, Zhang finds that local policy experimentation can serve as a mechanism for the central government to legitimately delay reform practices. These explanations contend that experimentation is politically motivated and might be merely symbolic and not actually seek to change policy but to challenge other factions who champion these policy changes. In addition to the motivations of promotion, fixing governance challenges and advancing factional politics, local officials might be motivated by greed and simply use policy experimentation as a cover for corruption. Teets and Hearst point out that the same political processes leading to positive policy experimentation also lead to outcomes where officials use the label of policy experimentation as a cover to pursue personal enrichment or face innovation and other image-building projects. Evolutionary Framework Perhaps unhelpfully, for scholars studying policy experimentation in China, all of these explanations have supporting and disconfirming evidence. So how do we make sense of policy innovation in China? In our recent research, we find that these explanations are not rival hypotheses, but actually interact with each other to explain the complex motivation of local policy experimenters. 
The political selection mechanisms, namely the cadre evaluation system, incentivizes policy experimentation, but does not specify the underlying motivations of local officials, some of whom innovate to solve governance challenges in their home communities, and some of whom innovate to get promoted in a fragmented political system with competing factions. This research approach also helps us understand why local policy innovation is disappearing under Xi Jinping, but not uniformly. Section 3. Motivations for Policy Experimentation Under Xi Jinping The Xi Jinping administration, beginning in 2013, ushered in a new institutional environment characterized by an increasing recentralization of political power to the central government, with tools such as the anti-corruption campaign reinforcing this outcome. One of these centralization mechanisms is the introduction of top-level design, a term taken from engineering and focusing on the central leadership devising a systematic comprehensive plan to better allocate the resources required and ensuring goals were attained. As Yang and Yang explain, the Chinese leadership have attempted to combine top-level design with the previous approach of crossing the river by feeling the stones. The shift in reform strategies have resulted in tensions between the current top-down manner of institutionalization and the tradition of lower-level autonomy. In this environment, policy experimentation is stifled as local officials struggle to interpret central directives and live in fear of retribution for veering off the officially sanctioned path. For instance, local officials below the provincial level report a substantial increase in the need to file work reports to supervisors, who are primarily concerned with meeting new guidelines for central supervision under the system of requesting instructions and submitting reports. The attendant result is a perception by local officials that the central government wants to restrict the space for policy deviations, including innovation. This reinforces an organizational culture where local officials are primarily implementers of central policies rather than developers and innovators of policies. Although the Qi administration has strongly signaled little tolerance to deviate from central-level directives, we nevertheless still find policy experiments. Although often these are only undertaken when approved by the central government, are small tinkering changes or are invisible from the center in that they are less likely to be reported upwards. Despite these changes, continued policy experimentation begs the question of why local officials would experiment in the absence of promotion incentives. We contend that the officials who are only experimenting to be promoted are shifting to sponsoring central government policy experiments. Significantly, officials with innovative personalities who work in teams to resolve governance challenges continue to use this incremental process of policy change. As the promotion incentive driving policy experimentation has declined, the presence and strength of the other motivations has been revealed as we discuss below. Inadequate Institutional Incentives one of the major supporting reasons why local policy experimentation still occurs, I'll bet in more limited fashion, is due to the fact that the cadre evaluation system does not adequately incentivize compliance for the majority of local officials. For example, 
When we look at the scope conditions under which the evaluation system attempts to control officials' behavior, we often find that there is a principal-agent problem between local officials and the targets in the evaluation system, resulting in the policy implementation gap. The majority of local officials are sea-leaned native officials and know from an early stage in their careers that they are not participating in a leadership tournament. For example, Yu and Gao find that more than 70% of surveyed officials in Sajong stated that they know their terminal position fairly early in their careers. This effectively divides them into higher position-seeking and status quo categories, whereby the latter will concentrate more on local needs. Even for officials who do want higher positions, most are promoted within the same province, which focuses them more on local needs than central mandates. Moreover, many officials do not strive for promotion, since this is often a lateral transfer or perceived as a demotion from the perspective of local cadres. For example, from a richer to poorer intra-province county, bigger office to smaller, easier workload to a harder one, etc. As empirical findings reveal, most officials remain in their birth province their entire careers, rather than being promoted to outside subnational jurisdictions or the central government. Many of these officials seek to solve local problems important to the communities in which they are socially embedded, regardless of whether the new policy will result in promotion. For example, in the case of vertical greening policies, Miss Lee was a native of Shanghai and a horticultural specialist who worked for two decades to institutionalize vertical greening in the law. Similarly, in the case of healthcare policy reform, a local resident promoted to vice mayor sought change because coming from a poor rural family, San has genuine sympathy for the underprivileged and an understanding of medical impoverishment. However, even for those local officials who do desire to be promoted, the evaluation system is plagued with extreme complexity to the extent of having hundreds of indicators for success weighted differently across subnational jurisdictions. For instance, in one county, officials are measured across 19 fields with 100 points assigned in each, and each field is composed of subfields. Promotion targets assigned by multiple levels of government can contradict each other as well. Due to these reasons, the incentive structure predicated on rewarding promotion is not effective with all officials, and thus will not dissuade all local officials uniformly from conducting small-scale policy experimentation that improves local governance. The Role of Professional Peer Networks Additionally, local officials are not only looking for guidance from above, but their professional peer networks can also help shape the perceived costs and benefits of policy experimentation. When describing how they designed a policy experiment, Teets et al. found that local officials describe a process of learning about a new policy solution to an existing problem through their personal networks, and then informally conducting a study tour and adapting that policy experiment to their local context. Similarly, Ma found that professional peer networks were an important mechanism for engineering policy experimentation and diffusion with the public bicycle program in Sejong province. Information sharing mechanisms like site visits significantly increased the likelihood of policy adoption as policymakers learned about the benefits and were able to borrow existing policies to lower costs. 
Tietz et al. also discovered that local officials relied on information from their peer networks more than other sources of information, and that local officials' perceived performance relative to peers was prized most if their peers experimented with policy and yielded a positive outcome. Local officials were more likely to consider adopting this new policy. This was demonstrated in the case of the low-carbon policy in Hebei province, where Shin found that the low-carbon policy was spurned by one local government agency who championed changes in governance. The local government agency engaged in professional community building with actors across different state boundaries, with the local agency bureaucrats creating and embedding themselves in peer networks. This led to a form of governance where local policymaking and implementation were taking place within this space. Instead of viewing local governance as its own prerogative, it was enacted through a set of joint institutional practices and mechanisms in dialogue with a set of professional peers. Although local government officials must pay attention to central government, there exist a whole set of sticky norms, practices, and sources of information embedded in the daily practice of local government across China. Individual personalities. Finally, we find that individual level factors and innovative personality will still encourage policy experimentation amongst a select group of local officials in spite of top-down institutional pressures to do otherwise. There is an underlying assumption in other non-state sectors that the psychological profile of the individual who is undertaking policy experimentation is one who is confident, proactive, that is, the individual has a high degree of self-efficacy, and is a risk-taker. Based on these findings, Lewis et al. and Hasmuth et al. developed a typology of personality characteristics, summarized in three baseline personalities, authoritarian, consolidative, and entrepreneurial. They next examined the characteristics of surveyed local officials who responded that they will continue to innovate under conditions of increasing institutional risk, such as the one currently experienced under Xi Jinping. This evidence suggests that the authoritarian personality follows central directives and is not experimenting with policy unless directed, but the con consultative and entrepreneurial officials continue to experiment with policy, although at reduced levels and often quietly so as to not attract undue attention. This finding in China is similar that of other scholars that policy entrepreneurs who focus on building multi-stakeholder teams are more likely to experiment effectively. In other words, the increased risk to undertake policy experimentation in China today does reduce innovation, but not experimentation. This evidence in some indicates that certain types of local officials are more likely to experiment even in high-risk settings, and illustrates how substantial variation in local policy experimentation throughout China is determined, at least in part, by individual personality characteristics. Section 4. Conclusion. Policy experimentation has been a hallmark of the reform era since 1979. However, under the Xi Jinping administration, the formal evaluation process for local officials does not incentivize experimentation akin to previous administrations, nor are there informal signals that encourage policy experimentation to the scale and scope of the past. 
Despite the changing political environment, there are individual level, for example, innovative personalities, group level, for example, influence of peer groups, and institutional level, for example, lack of bureaucratic incentives, reasons why local officials continue to innovate irrespective of the recentralization of power. The implications for shifting motivations for policy experimentation amongst local officials are twofold. First, from the perspective of the state, many lower-level officials are not in contention for promotions to the central government. If the Qi administration wants to recentralize bureaucratic power and reduce policy implementation gaps, the incentive structure must be aligned with local officials' needs and goals. Second, the mere fact that policy innovation is occurring at the local level but not being reported up suggests that possible policy solutions to problems being experienced nationally are being trapped locally. Given the complexity of problems facing China, such as the middle income trap and increasing income inequality, solutions effective at the local level might provide ways to resolve these challenges. While it is outside of the scope of this article to consider whether recentralization is productive for future governance and policy challenges in China, the early communist era illustrated that top-down policy change can have negative outcomes, taking a generation or more to overcome. When small-scale policy experiments were conducted, the risk level for a negative outcome affecting the entire population was significantly reduced. In other words, it may be prudent for the current administration to remember that early period and not intentionally stifle bottom-up local policy experimentation. However, this type of ad hoc policy process is incremental, and often good ideas do not rise to the top. It can also lead to wasted public resources and, in more extreme cases, facilitate local corruption. Given Xi Jinping's emphasis on institutionalizing local governance to create a rule-based iron cage for local officials, it increasingly seems like policy experimentation outside of the control of the central government will be restricted to the point that this type of governance will be considered a relic of the past.